Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with the conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to review the new Apple TV Plus film, the comedy On the Rocks. All right, so Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Yes. A young mother reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. All right, so in true sweet tradition, let's start off with our summaries for this film. Uh, mine is an adventure sponsored and led by Bill Murray. <laughs> yes, indeed. And larger than life was pretty accurate from the IMDb yes. summary. All right. My summary is a lighthearted film to remind us to see and trust in the good in people. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I feel like uh, my sentence... My one-sentence summary doesn't actually reveal my thoughts about this film, but it is my main takeaway from this movie. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it made you a little hopeful, you know, yeah. in, in the swirling vortex of doom that is 2020. That's great. Honestly, I'm like, this is so much in contrast with the year that we've had that this was a nice little reminder. Sometimes yeah. things aren't as bad as they seem or that you think that they are. Yeah, an important reminder that I we probably all need at this point in time. Yeah. So what were your initial thoughts of On the Rocks? Uh, my initial thoughts were, like, it was, it was fun. Uh, I feel like it was really full of just fluff, um, which honestly, like we were just saying, like, I didn't mind because... I need some fun. I need something lighthearted right now. Um, I am a big fan of Bill Murray, and I just got a kick out of him in in every scene. I loved hanging out with him, but pretty much every scene that he wasn't in, I was bored to tears and just wanted to see more of him again. Um, I I think that there were some problematic elements with the the storytelling, some of the filmmaking, but... On the whole, I thought that it was a lot of fun, and um, it was nice to just spend some time having fun <laughs> with characters for a minute instead mm -hmm. of um, watching kind of like the serious stuff that we have been watching a lot lately. It was nice to have a, a lighthearted film. I feel like you're right. This film is more about the, the just – random moments getting to hang out with these characters which is is uh like you said very different from the other films that we've seen where we're just getting like our hearts ripped out of our chests uh, and in a very good way but it's nice to have a film that doesn't leave you feeling um very emotionally drained i found this film a little bit slow and boring I think what you said was very accurate. Bill Murray makes this film even remotely entertaining. And I wanted to spend more time with him and his antics. Um, I feel like the the film didn't create a lot of momentum or um, uh, engagement from me as a viewer. And so it was hard for me to continue to stay invested in uh, this an hour and a half journey. And I think there are some films like this where it's just fun to hang out with the characters and it's not really a plot-driven story, but more of just getting to be with these these larger-than-life characters. And I feel like um, Bill Murray served a little bit of that, that big personality that we got to spend time with. But on the whole, I feel like they, the characters weren't uh, exciting, diverse, colorful enough to make that as exciting that as it, I feel like maybe it could have been. Um, there were some fun little whimsical moments, like them driving around in this bright red car, going on this little uh, adventure and detective um, moment to follow Rashida Jones's husband. But even that, I think, didn't lean into how ridiculous and fun and whimsical that could have been. 
they, they started along that path, but I feel like it needed a little bit more energy and excitement and a little bit more whimsy. So overall, I think it was an okay movie, but didn't love it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, the, the rest of the cast was just kind of boring and dull. Um, the only times that I really liked, uh, Rashida Jones, her character, Laura was when she was playing off of Bill Murray. And I, I really enjoyed how she kind of balanced his like over the top ridiculous type of humor with her like dry sarcasm, um, I found a lot of joy in that, like in, in that scene that you're referring to with the red sports car after they've gotten pulled over. And she's like, wow, what it must be like to be you. Like I lost it and I was <laughs> laughing so hard. So like just throughout those little moments when she was being sarcastic with him were brilliant. But the rest of the time, I just, I wanted so much more from her. And I know Rashida Jones can be funny because I've seen her in other mm -hmm. comedies, but um yeah, Bill Murray really just stole the show. Any scene that he wasn't in, I just kind of tuned out. Like, okay, when are we going to get back to him again? That's really what I want here. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think that the Laura character is one that I've seen a lot in so many movies. And I just found her character to be kind of exhausting. Um, you know, this this archetype of the middle-aged woman who's typically a mom who's in a rut and is exhausted and kind of questioning her life. I feel like we've seen so much. And with Laura's character, there wasn't any more to it. And so I perhaps that's why she felt dull and thin because it's just a archetype that has been done so many times and she, her character didn't have anything more to play off of um, other than the moments that she had with her father. And so, I don't know, I feel like we've seen this type of character on screen a lot, and I am not a middle-aged woman, so perhaps I am not one to speak on whether th that archetype should be continued or not, but I just feel like it's, it's one that is so common, and I found it frustrating to watch again and again and again, and to see movies continue to feature the same archetypal middle-aged woman, mother, problems on screen without more dimensions and depth to it. Yeah, I think I I maybe related to her character just a little bit more because I I I get the whole like you're a writer and you have writer's block thing. Like mm, I yeah. I was supposed <laughs> to be writing when I watched this movie because I just <laughs> I had spent like 2 hours wrestling with writer's block and I couldn't get over it. So I was like, "Ah, screw it. I'm going to watch the movie instead." Um, so like, I get that, mm. but I, I do agree while I was watching, I was like, how many movies about writers who can't write have we watched? Like, I get it. Like as a, as a, as you're writing a screenplay, you deal with writer's block, but like, can we get a different profession in here somewhere? Um, but yeah, uh, her, like she was really boring. And then even, um, Dean played yes. by Marlon Wayans, like he was boring too, I was like, how? How did they have so many boring characters in this one film? Um, mm -hmm. I I don't know. And they're good actors too, which mm -hmm. made it which made it even harder because Marlon Wayans is also hilarious. So mm -hmm. it, I, I'm not sure how how Sofia Coppola managed to <laughs> to create so many flat characters, but you know, thank God Bill Murray saved it. <laughs> You know what she thought? She was like, okay, we have this shining star, this yeah. beautiful butterfly. We need to make everything else very muted so that this shining <laughs> star can just truly shine. So make all the other ones boring. Make Bill Murray. It'll, it'll contrast the excitement of Bill Murray. <laughs> and it did. It did, it did contrast it for sure. <laughs> but it made it less engaging. Yeah. And not only – I mean, I, I feel like the actors didn't have a lot to work with because the script and the conversations, there just wasn't a lot of life. And and excitement feels like the wrong word because it's not that we're looking for excitement, but more depth and, and intrigue and interesting um, lines and conversations. It was just very vanilla and very on the nose. And I feel like that's 
that was the issue. It's not excitement yes. per se, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kidding. It, it wasn't dynamic. Dynamic. Like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there, there was that one scene like early on where Laura is with her mom and her grandmother and her sister. And that scene, it was so short, but it was so painful. I was watching and I was like, if this is how this whole movie is going to go, this is going to be a slog and it's going to be <laughs> awful. Like it was just, it was so robotic. There was really no connection between them. There was nothing exciting going on. It was just kind of a moment to explain how terrible mm -hmm. of a father Bill Murray's character was, which I don't even feel like we needed in the mm -hmm. film. And I think that's one of my other big complaints about it is how much just like filler fluff mm -hmm. there was because um, even though it was only an hour and 36 minutes long, I felt like there was a lot of unnecessary scenes and a lot of unnecessary characters that didn't push the plot forward. It just kind of filled in extra time. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very true, which then begins to um, fade our interest as the viewers. Like we just, if we're not on the edge of our seat, growing deeper and deeper and and investing deeper and deeper into the characters, we will go the opposite direction, which is getting distracted and I was, you know, thinking about other things. And it's just hard to keep our attention when we have the scenes that are like, what, where are the stakes and how does this push the plot forward in a really interesting way? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So like one of those that I, I had a question about was Laura's random friend, or I don't know if she was a friend, random acquaintance, uh, oh. who is constantly talking about her, her boyfriend issues. I was so confused by her addition to the film. Like <laughs> Jenny Slate is, is great. That's wonderful. I enjoy seeing her in things, but she didn't actually add anything to the film. Like yeah, that, that character to me felt like, they had more there and then they cut it for mm. some reason, but they just kept the character in to keep the character in. Um, but she didn't actually do much to move the plot forward. She didn't, she didn't seem to be contributing to Laura's doubts about her husband or contributing to Laura's growth at all. So she was just there taking up space and making noise. <laughs> Why are you here? I don't understand. Yeah. I agree, but she was so dynamic. Like every time she came on screen, I was like, "What are you going to talk about today?" I'm let's let's hear it. We are ready for your rant. Um, I feel like in the first opening scene, when you see Laura's character uh, getting the kids ready for school, waiting in line at school, coming home, helping them, you know, brush their teeth, get ready for bed, like that uh, scene where Jenny Slate's character is introduced, I feel like is is it works well because it kind of is showing the emotionally draining environment that Laura often finds herself in and these like lackluster relationships that she has with the people around her. But the Jenny Slate's character comes back again and again. I think she comes like like three or four times, which was then confusing because why are we seeing a scene like this again? Um, and it offers nothing else to push the, the plot forward. Whereas I feel like in that first introduction kind of montage scene, it works to show that Laura is, is disconnected and kind of surrounded by these moms and it's, and it's draining for her. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And they just, they just kept her going. You know? <laughs> yeah. Why not have another person just being wild and crazy <laughs> and some of her rants too I feel like are it was it was fun for me to see her on screen though she served no purpose because I feel like a lot of her uh rants her complaints are are pretty accurate with like the middle-aged woman's mentality on like um, energies and vibes and he was he was captivated by my idea for what was it like soap or something like that something ridiculous um 
but I feel like there was something interesting there of like the observations of middle-aged women and the mentalities and, and kind of making fun of it in a lot of ways uh, that was kind of entertaining to watch. Did you ever see the movie uh, He's Just Not That Into You? Yes. See, she kind of gave me that vibe, like how <laughs> how that whole movie is just like a bunch of vignettes and sometimes they had like the random intercuts of like random women mm. talking about relationships or men or whatever to lead into the next arc. Um, I felt like that's what she was trying to be in this movie, but mm. it just didn't make sense. <laughs> no, there wasn't enough for it to connect to the rest no. of this backdrop that we were getting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange. Um, one of the other uh, moments that I thought was really interesting is when Laura and Bill Murray essentially have the argument when they're in, I think it's in Mexico. Um, and it's the moment where you realize that this film is what we thought was about the relationship between Laura and Dean and, you know, this marriage that she thinks is falling apart, but is actually, you know, her husband is being faithful. And I appreciated that the film did kind of expand out the lens a little bit and show that there's actually this other dimension where the relationship that Laura has with her father is potentially contributing to a lot of the insecurities and doubt and, um, and suspicions that Laura has about Dean. Like it stems from the family life that Laura grew up with and the type of father and the, the, the figure of a male that she's seen throughout her entire life. And I thought that that added a really much needed uh, dimension and depth to the story and to the message of the film that I thought was a, was a good addition. And I appreciated that kind of slight turning moment that we, we sense as the viewer of like, oh, I thought this film was about this, but actually it's much more than that as well. Yes, I I loved that moment because um, it's true. You know, the the baggage that we bring in from our family of origin is really real, um, mm -hmm. and it affects a lot. And one thing that I really uh, particularly liked about that is she made the comment of like, "You didn't even stay with the woman that you left mom for," mm. and I think that that is something that is almost never portrayed or voiced in a film and is something that like a lot of people have dealt with. And like, that is a specific type of pain um, that I don't think is often addressed. Um, mm. But, but it's true. It is like a deeper level of like, not only was mom not enough, but this woman that you left her for, she also wasn't enough. And mm -hmm. I, I think that that was also a really profound moment. And I think it also showed just the talent from both Bill Murray and Rashida Jones to be able to not only have those fun moments together, but to go at each other like that and be that open and honest and show that level of pain and hurt in their relationship. Uh, that was one mm -hmm. of the best moments of the whole film. Yeah, I agree. And you kind of see the the facial expression on... Bill Murray is the father and it's almost like this like wounded dog where you you feel for him and um but you also recognize that and he's recognized that he's made a lot of mistakes and decisions that didn't honor his daughter daughters and his family um and I feel like his reaction uh was really well done. It was some good acting in that moment because he doesn't have a lot of lines in that scene. It's really just her kind of going at it um, with him. And, and the way he receives that, I feel like is, is, was really well done. And I, I loved how strategic that scene was and how her, her buildup is to uh, you can't go deaf to the voices of women you have a daughter, you have granddaughters, you have to hear women, mm. which builds upon 
that humorous moment earlier in the film where he just like nonchalantly is like, I think I'm going to, to women. And it's like just a ridiculous like, ah, Bill Murray, you're just a you're a charming misogynist. It's fine. And then for that to be the climax of her going like, no, you need to hear me. All of the over talking, all of the walking over me, all of the doing what you want, none of what I want that needs to end because my voice is valuable. Like it was just mm-hmm. it was so brilliant. Uh, yeah. Great. It was so good. The other scene that's kind of related because it happens around that climactic moment as well. It's not as it wasn't the argument that they had in their hotel room in Mexico, but I think it's it's maybe before or after. I think before where they're sitting at some bar having drinks and they're having she's asking him kind of more questions about what happened and why did he leave and why did he do the things that he did. And he says the line, we all just want to be loved. And he, he says this in reference to um, the other woman at the time giving him attention. And I think he calls it the glow. Like he had the glow again and he, he had that adoration from this other woman that he wasn't getting from his wife at the time who was kind of preoccupied with the kids and whatnot. But I feel like that line that he says we all just want to be loved touches so much on a kind of universal human truth that we just we desire affection and love and we desire to be desired by somebody else and pursued and you kind of see that natural human trait just on full display with him and I feel like it really builds a lot of empathy for us as the viewers um, for him and his character as the father the unfaithful father. And what I loved about that is it wasn't an excuse, but it felt like an explanation, you know, like Mm -hmm. it could have been so easy for him to be like flippant about it and like, whatever, like we just all want to be loved, like Mm -hmm. get over it. But it was, it was out of this like deep, like mournful realization that he had hurt the people that he cares about in his pursuit of affection and love. Um, So I think that that was another really good twist on a line that could have been uh, kind of out of place or, or felt, I don't know, mean or harmful. Um, And I think in that scene is when she responds something to the effect of like, it's really hard to love you or something like that, um, which I thought was a, a profound way to come back at that. Like, I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to show you affection, but you just make it difficult because my bland version of love doesn't match up to your larger than life version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like you see that same theme in the other plot line of this film, which is a relationship between Laura and Dean in that all Laura wants as well is to be loved and pursued by Dean and her doubts and suspicions and insecurities rise up because she feels like he's not interested in her anymore and he doesn't look at her the same way and he's so busy with work. But at the root of it, she just wants to be pursued so fully by her husband in the same way that he did um, previously. And so I feel like that that theme is woven together really nicely between the two plot lines with that conversation with that one line. Yep, they all tie together. You know, love is just important. Mm -hmm. We just all want to be loved. Let's just be nice to each other. (laughs) Yeah, it's so, so human. All right, what else in this film stood out to you? So one of the things that I I struggled with was uh, the transitions in this film. Um, they A lot of them felt really, really awkward to me. So like <laughs> yes. there was one... <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad that I'm not alone. As I was watching, I was like, is this going to be one of those weird things that only Sarah notices? (laughs) Though I do have more of those. But so like there's this one scene. It was after their their escapade in in the red car and then they lose Dean and then they're back at this bar or whatever. And 
Rashida Jones is having a moment. She's like, is he even interested in me? And then she starts to get emotional. She rests her hand or her head on her hand and like fighting back tears. And then the next shot is her martini glass with a single teardrop falling in and splashing. (laughs) And when that happens, I literally went, ugh, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then we're not done. We go from the martini glass to a shot of the New York Mm -hmm. skyline for a good few seconds before then moving to the next set piece. Like, why? That was not necessary. You didn't need the martini glass. You didn't need the skyline. You could have just done a fade into the next scene. (gasps) Yeah, it was weird. It was super weird. (laughs) Which I feel like could have worked in another kind of movie where they, like, really milk that stuff and it's it's played to be funny and over the top and whatnot but if I couldn't tell if that was a serious transition or meant to be funny and I feel like that is where the problem lies (laughs) yeah and I I think you're right like if it had been more intentional and we had seen like random shots like that throughout to kind of establish like where we are and where we're going then it would have made sense but nope that just happens that one time and we don't see any more transitions like that again throughout the rest of the film and what kills me is the the single teardrop (laughs) rippling into the martini glass with a close-up and we see it's like slightly in slow motion as the teardrop falls and it ripples it (laughs) but again that could work if it was like a little bit more extra and you know a little more ridiculous and out there it's like okay like we're gonna be really cheesy with this and like yeah. lean into it and it's gonna be funny but it, or it even wasn't if funny. she had like if Rashida Jones had had like one single tear falling on her cheek and then we go to the martini glass <laughs> like I feel like that could have worked but it looked like she was like actively fighting back tears mm-hmm. and trying not to cry and yep. uh it's just I don't it was just such a bad choice. Yeah. I didn't understand it either. If it was it was cringy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was a lot of New York City skyline moments as well. Which a lot of the time like I don't I don't mind. Like it it was kind of fun to be back in New York again yeah. and I think I think movies set in New York just make it so magical and fun like Mm -hmm. I've never been to New York but it felt like coming home again because so many fun films are just set there so I just I loved that like magical feeling but that one shot of the skyline was just it was too much I couldn't handle it (laughs) yeah it was a lot one day we will go to New York and order a martini and get an eyedropper <laughs> and to recreate this iconic, iconic moment in film history. <laughs> All right. It's great. It's being added to the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We'll have to pick a really <laughs> dimly lit cocktail bar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> what did you think of that that whistling bit that just kept popping up throughout the film oh man I didn't understand it I'm like (laughs) am I just missing something is there some deeper meaning that I'm missing I feel like they there was supposed to be some symbolic thing with the whistling because Mm -hmm. he mentioned that she could do it in the past and then Mm -hmm. she can't do it now and then by the end when they're reconciled together they she could whistle magically apparently um (laughs) But it felt like there was a lot of screen time dedicated to her blowing and him whistling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't really get it. It felt like, I don't know, I was missing out on some, some kind of hidden meaning there. Some no, secret I, th- that I, I think you're – I think you're right. Like I think that it was supposed to symbolize her growth as a person. Like she was returning to who she used to be or like she had found herself again after losing herself or like whatever. And – but I, although I don't think that it actually achieved that purpose, there were just moments of it that I thought were just so fun. 
just because like Bill Murray is just there like whistling and like having a great time. Um, and I also love that he was so intent on like, nope, we are going to solve this problem. You are going to be able to whistle. Like, why was that so high up on his priority list? But um, I think you're right. It it was odd. It felt out of place almost. But at least for me, I still found it really endearing, even though it didn't achieve its purpose. I feel like it added a lot of um, whimsy to his character, especially when you know, she comes out of her apartment door and he's he's just like leaned up against his fancy car and he's whistling away in his little blazer and whatnot. Like it it added this really sweet, jolly air about him and his character, which I think worked really well. It just felt like they leaned really maybe more heavily into this whistling moment more than it needed to be. And I feel like if they scaled back a little bit, it would have added the right amount that we needed without Mm. overextending a little bit too much. Gotcha. Yep. I think you're probably right. But it was good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Speaking of the ending, I'm curious what you thought about the two parts of the ending. One is the conversation she has with Dean where he's basically like, you're not boring. I still love you. And and then they also the moment where she comes out of her apartment and her father is there waiting after they've just had this really big emotional fight and they seem to be fine. What were your thoughts? Um I I liked the Bill Murray ending. I didn't as much care for the Dean ending. Um, I, I, I liked the, the subtlety of, um, that moment with Bill Murray. Like it, it didn't have to be a big thing to show that they cared. Um, it didn't have to be a big thing for him to honor her, but it was, it was in that subtle moment, especially because the Bill Murray character has been, larger than life and like so big. And if we have to do it, something, we have to do it in the most outrageous fashion. So like for him to be so subdued with her at the end, I thought was an interesting way to show him honoring her like that, which also could just be me like reading way into things. Um, but I think for me, like that moment with Dean felt, um, I don't know. It, it, it almost felt unsatisfying. Like it was great that they were both able to connect with each other and presumably grow from that moment. But, um, it didn't feel as like fulfilling or as, um, as much closure as I would have liked from that particular interaction. What about you? I like your reading of, uh, the final moment with, Laura and her father. I actually originally was like, wow, that was fast. Like they've cleared it up or we didn't, we didn't, we went from this big emotional moment to them being totally fine. Um, and I felt that kind of strange, but I actually like your interpretation Mm. of it, which is that, uh, you know, she said what she needed to say and communicated what she needed to. And there's not much they could have done to like work through it in the moment by talking through it other than him just being able to be there for her moving forward into the future. So I liked your interpretation of that. Um, I agree. I think so much of the relationship and conversations between Laura and Dean up until the ending were, again, still so on the nose that the moment they are saying what they're actually feeling, it doesn't feel significant. Um, And I feel like there's also some, some uh, character development that could have happened a little less seamlessly. Like I feel like she, they, they together or Laura maybe needed to overcome more or work through more to make that coming of age ending feel more satisfying. Um, It's almost like she had all these doubts and she kind of went a little nutso and followed him. And then they were just laughing it off and it's like, Oh, okay, whatever. It's fine. Whereas, you know, I don't think there, I think there could have been more growth that we see and that we see them work through together. I mean, I don't know. I guess this is a this is a comedy, so 
we don't need to touch on all that gooky stuff um, that we might have in a drama. But I, I do feel like it's almost like the journey that we went on with the characters was just kind of like brushed aside and laughed off by both the characters at the end um, in a kind of nonchalant way. Like, okay, we're fine now. I bought you this this watch. It's all good. Um, so it didn't feel significant. Yeah, and and while they were while they were talking, like in my head, I was just going like, "That's cool that you guys are like good again." But like, who did he think he was kissing in the first scene that started this whole thing? Like, I was still stuck on that. Like, okay, buddy, we need to have a serious <laughs> conversation because. Like, even if you're not cheating on her, you kind of wanted to with somebody. So let's let's be honest. But like you said, it's a comedy, so <laughs> we had to have a happy ending. <laughs> yep. This is why, like, you and I view these movies through very specific lenses. Like, I was like, homegirl literally stalked you on your work trip. Yeah. And we ain't going to talk about that at yeah. all? And maybe yeah. work through it a little bit. He's just laughing it off. And he found, he, I don't know, he found it cute or adorable or kind of endearing. I'm like, there's some trust issues that probably we should work on a little bit. Yeah, I for sure <laughs> wanted to uh, introduce them to a marriage counselor. <laughs> but it goes back to one of the sweet little messages of this movie that I appreciated in our 2020 year of chaos, which is that Sometimes people are still just good and they are still just faithful and it is been and we can figure out how to trust in that more than and then letting all of the doubts and suspicions and insecurities kind of like take over our minds and be and those flames of doubt be fanned by potentially the people around us like in this case her father sometimes like the confidence in trusting in your relationship is can be a really beautiful and good thing yeah and and maybe a a better reading of this like the non-hollywood version reading of this is like that was their first step toward rebuilding trust mm. and they're going to go through more moments hopefully not as dramatic as this particular escapade um as they continue to doubt and then lean in to build trust instead. So like mm. instead of seeing that as like, oh, now they're perfect and going to live happily ever after, like viewing it as that was a step of trust and forgiveness and they're just going to keep building from here. Mm. I like that. That's a good way to see it. <laughs> Got to bring a little, you know, practicality and pragmatism to, uh, to ridiculous movies sometimes. <laughs> Let's go with your interpretation because I, I like it. <laughs> like they're not they're not uh brushing over it. They're just yeah trying to build bridges. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Alright. Sounds good to me. One thing that I wanted to mention that I that I noticed in the first couple of moments and I was like, oh, this is so great is the fact that we have an interracial couple on screen and there never needs to be a conversation that highlights that. It is just a normal couple on screen and they happen to be interracial. And I loved that that was part of this movie. I, th I think that was really cool. Yeah, and I loved I loved the di the diversity of even like Rashida Jones's like friend group and just like mm -hmm. seeing the different places that they went. You know, it was it was eclectic. It was diverse, but like you said, like there was no reason to spotlight it or be like, mm -hmm. "Oh, look, we have the token interracial couple here." Like, no, mm -hmm. it's just it's just part of it and it's part of this um diverse family that they are part of and it's beautiful yeah exactly especially with like the kids running around with their hair and just mm -hmm. there was never a moment where like oh she is unfit to be their mother or or them their struggles centering around the fact that they're an interracial couple like i was thinking a lot about the big sick while watching mm -hmm. this where yeah. we see an interracial couple but the whole storyline and anchor of the entire movie is the fact that they are different 
And we need more movies like this that just happen to have them a couple that it just happens to be different races and it's just not it's just not part of the the main storyline or struggle that they need to struggle with as um as a couple it's just normalized yeah yeah for sure and i i kept thinking about um the hate you give that we just watched and that that in, uh, portrayal of an interracial couple and um then like when the when that moment with uh with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones in the red car and they get pulled over like I was having all kinds of flashbacks to the last few movies that we've watched that were like so serious in these in these police moments and then this one took a completely different route but I did wonder because Rashida Jones the Laura character is mixed half black half white how she felt in that moment so like even though the focus was completely on Bill Murray, I just kept trying to like see like, okay, what is the emotion? What is the reaction that is happening on Laura's face right now? Um, especially being like a biracial person, like how did she respond in that moment? But um, you're right. It is interesting how we're, how we're portraying different races in the the different relationships that they have on screen to each other and then to the world around us as well. Yeah. Agreed. And their intentionality with um, having the kids and, and how you cast the kids of this family Mm -hmm. and this couple. um, I'm sure there was a lot of thinking and decision-making and and intentionality that went into that as well. Mm -hmm. Which are just like new, new things to think about that, we because we haven't had as many interracial couples featured in movies more casually like this um brings up some fun new new challenges and and problems to solve for which is what do interracial couples between uh, a half black half white and then a black man look like and what is their hair like and which genes dominate and and what's the the diverse spectrum of of kids of interracial couples how do they look Mm -hmm. problems yeah and I loved that that scene where Bill Murray was with the two kids and like he was teaching them terrible life lessons um (laughs) and told them that like long hair is better and Rashida Jones was like no girls can wear their hair however you want you want your hair to be short your hair can be short and it was just this moment of like wow don't let other people tell you how you should look, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's been like such a, um, you know, in, in especially like professional culture, you know, like black women have had to wear their hair a certain way in order to be seen as professional. Like there are these weird and unrealistic standards of beauty out there. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. you have beautiful hair as is like your natural hair is gorgeous. You can wear it how you want. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That scene was really powerful, especially because both the kids had this big, beautiful head of curls. And mm-hmm. when their grandfather is telling them long hair is pretty, what does that? What does long hair look like when you've yeah. got this big, beautiful mane of hair? You know, I, I my mind immediately went to um, Bill Murray's character thinking about the traditional long, sleek, you know, straight hair that mm-hmm. you see on most um, – most women that are are white or are Asian or things like that, but the big, beautiful curls that Theo was rocking as she was running around, they, they're gorgeous. And I and you're right, seeing um, Laura's character kind of dispel and, and reject that truth for her children was really great. All right, were there any other weird quirks or things things that you saw in this movie um you mentioned earlier that you had a you had a couple of them yes okay so a predominant question that I had or just a it's an observation that departs from the norm so I have follow-up questions so Rashida Jones is left-handed and she uh wears her wrist or her watch also on her left wrist 
which is not normal. Typically, you wear your watch on your non-dominant hand. So she kept putting her watch on her left hand, and I just, I wanted to know more. It's like, okay, Rashida Jones, is this like what you normally do? Like, why do you depart from the norm? Is it because that's, most people are right-handed, so it's on their left, so you want to fit in? Like, please tell me more about your watch-wearing habits. I would (laughs) like to know. (laughs) Oh, my. This is going (laughs) high on the list of weird things that only Sarah Cowan notices in movies. I know you would love that one. <laughs> I swear you are the ghostwriter of all the IMDb like, like <laughs> inconsistencies or like things you didn't notice or like weird details you didn't realize. I found the ghostwriter. This makes so much sense. <laughs> I could be, which is kind of scary. <laughs> so your question is, was that an intentional choice that she made? Like uh, I am not playing myself. I need to be in the character of this, I don't know, you know, Laura character. And Laura would wear her wrist, her watch on her left hand because she's right-handed. Or do you think it was just like a subconscious whenever yeah, she's I don't playing? Know. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know because like you see Rashida Jones using her, her left hand throughout. So like even when she writes, she writes with her left mm-hmm. hand like because she is a left-handed person. So I didn't know like – does she normally, as as the human Rashida Jones, wear her watch on her left hand? And so it's just out of habit. Or did she just do this for the movie? Was that something that Sofia Coppola wanted? Did she want it on the left wrist? I, I don't know. But <laughs> it definitely made me have questions. Well, it's interesting, too, because the watch scenes are prominent. Like, they, yes. they serve a very uh, big, significant meaning in the film, especially that last moment where she takes off her father's watch and puts it away <laughs> and puts on her husband's watch. Like, there's a lot of camera attention on which wrist. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they had to have thought about that. Like, what would feel most natural to watch? It's probably the one that most people put their their watches on because it would maybe be jarring for someone to watch someone put it on their right right wrist. Who knows? Who could say? Who knows? That could be. I don't know. But <laughs> do people really like pay do normal people, not me, normally pay attention to things like that? Like no. would it have stood out if she had put a watch on her right wrist instead? Um my Guess is no, because most people would be like, oh, she's taking off her father's watch, put on her husband's watch. Oh, man. Like, the weight of that would far probably outweigh the technicality of which wrist it was going on. Well, you're a rare breed. You may never know. <laughs> That's a good one, though. Thanks. When when I spotted it while watching, I almost texted you like, oh, I found my weird thing. <laughs> Every episode, there's always something. There's always something. Oh, man. Our uh, weird little Easter egg things that we used to have in our uh, Strategic Women's Experiment episodes were the Star Wars references, which I feel Mm. like we've slacked on. Yeah, we have. It's just been replaced now with uh, the small details that only Sarah Cowell would notice. (laughs) Oh, Sarah's weird observation. (laughs) I love it trying to think can we come up with like a star wars reference for this movie that's a great Mm. question um well that i'm like interracial couple ray and (laughs) kylo (laughs) i feel like that's a stretch all right one that i went to it was, it was a good try. You know what? Maybe in the next episode we'll have a Star Wars reference. Who could say? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Ten points for the first person that gets to make a Star Wars reference. Yes. Um, all right. Anything else that we should mention, shout out to? Um, I would just like to say that... Uh, 
I really want her writing desk that she had. Because <laughs> it was giant. And it, it might take up, like, my whole apartment. But I'm not mad at that idea. So every time, like, it showed her trying to write, I wasn't focused on, like, oh, I'm sorry, Rashida Jones. It is really hard to write. I understand that. I was like, oh, my gosh, where'd you get your desk? I want it. <laughs> Hashtag sponsored by West Elm. <laughs> I was jealous of her big, beautiful windows in her office. Oh, yes. My gosh. With some, like, great views of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How much money had, would they have to make to afford that was the other they thing that a, I was wondering. Yeah, they have a very nice New York City apartment that's quite large. Yeah. So Dean's startup must be doing real, real well. Good job, yeah. Dean. And I guess her, her advance on her next book was really good, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this was our review of On the Rocks. You can find it streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. If you're looking for just fun, lighthearted um, movie where you just get to spend 90 minutes hanging out with some, some of the antics of Bill Murray... We highly recommend this movie. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review, letting us know your thoughts and if you enjoyed today's episode. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to review and discuss the film from Russia with Love. This is the Sean Connery Bond film. We thought this would be a great way to honor Sean Connery's life and his impact in the film industry. We hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you next week. 